Welcome, friends, to Liberation Lectionary, where we riff on the gospel and other uh, readings assigned for our Sunday services, and we try to squeeze out the, the, the juicy parts of these texts for our, uh, not just for our edification, but for our liberation. And I'm uh, Francisco Garcia, priest and an Episcopal priest hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee, um, me, me and my, all my books behind me. All my fake virtual background books. That's right. And with me is my my compañero partner here in crime, Jamie Edwards Acton, also an Episcopal priest and agitator out here in Los Angeles, um, where it is beautiful skies and uh, about eighty degrees. So sorry to the rest of you experiencing difficult weather right now. I know. Jeez. I mean, <clears throat> prayer, prayers and. For all our, all the folks in the in, in the Louisiana, mm -hmm. New Orleans especially dealing with this, huracán. Ida, 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 mm -hmm. Ida y vuelta. Sorry, making funny, <laughs> making funny words in Spanish here. So, but today we got um, this is our uh, Labor Day, Labor Day edition of Liberation Lectionary because it's for the Sunday before Labor Day, and. Um, you know, so we're going to reflect on these scriptures in light of the fact that um, Labor Day is on Sunday, Monday, September 6th, and it, we believe that it needs to be more than a day to an excuse for a barbecue. Um, we got to reclaim the significance and uh, the radical origins of, of Labor Day um, and also how it relates to our faith. So that's Sorry. what we're going to try and do from these scriptures, from the scripture today. Even though this is the second uh, Labor Day. The original Labor Day is May 1st, as we all know. And um, although uh, originate that too originated in this country is no longer the actual Labor Day. That's right. So, but we claim them all now. We claim them all right. and we try to get to the heart and the roots of these days. And we think that there's something we can say and preach and reflect on, our, uh, on Sunday and also in the work that we do. So we're looking at Mark uh, 7, um, which uh, Jamie's going to lead us through. All right. Mark 7, verses 24 through 37. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician origin, she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs eat under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the, De the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private away from the crowd and put his fingers into his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. 
Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. All right. I just have to say it's good to be back in Mark. That's all I want to say at the beginning. So Yeah. <laughs> were we back in Mark last week? Yeah. Our yeah. second round of it. So yes. Our now now round. we're sort of deep in Mark. Rev revving up the engines now. So, so we'll see. I, I haven't looked far enough to remember how, how long we'll be in Mark if we're gonna get the rug pulled out from under us, but that's all right. We'll enjoy it while we can. Yeah, I think we're good until Advent, I think. Oh, so. So, we're going to yeah. coast all the way to Advent. Okay. So, um, we, we, you can tell we like Mark. So, yeah. and, and I think there's good reason to like it. So, um, you know, I actually, I love this passage. Um, I think some people have a hard time with it, especially if they have a very traditional view of Jesus. And I think that's, um, a, I think it's a great passage to actually examine and to appreciate the full humanity of Jesus, um, you know, uh, because here we have uh, what seems to be, at least in the first, you know, first portion of this, of this passage, um, the encounter that Jesus has with the Syrophoenician woman um, is what seems to be out of character for him, right? Out of character in the sense of um, you know, his overall, what I would call his overall ethic, right, of healing, justice, and compassion. And here we have sort of this Jesus that um, maybe didn't want to tend to this woman. And maybe there are different reasons why. Um, uh, because, you know, he, it says in the beginning, right, he went away, he wanted, he was kind of trying to maybe be undercover a little bit, maybe need a little bit of a break from the crowds, right? It says he entered a house, right? He didn't want anyone to know he was there. He was maybe trying, planning to take a little mini silent retreat, probably overwhelmed with the demands of the masses and the attention that he was drawing, even though he knew he was living into sort of his call, right? And so we have, it's kind of like an overwhelmed Jesus maybe at this moment, right? Maybe he's not operating at his best, right? <laughs> and uh, we've all had these days, he's right? He's stressed so, out. He's stressed he's out. He's stressed out. He's pushed to his limits. And he, he knew he, he went to retreat. He needed a break. And dang, this woman shows up. <laughs> no knock. No knock on the door. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like compassion fatigue, right? What some people, what we kind of experience in our life and world. Um, it's like we want to help and we want to be present. But sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we don't have the tools. Sometimes we just need a break. Um, and that's human. And so I think Jesus lifts that up for us and just kind of allows us to live into that. But more into more than that, Jesus actually, and this is my favorite part and why I think it relates so strongly to Labor Day, Jamie, is that um, <clears throat> Jesus, who's, you know, ever the preacher, ever the, 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 the organizer, the agitator for the good, um, is organized by someone else, right? And he's sort of compelled to um, towards this woman and to sort of be present and witness and an instrument of her healing, right? Even though she's the one that really brings it forward, he, he you know, he fulfills his portion as being an instrument of, of that healing and liberation that she's seeking for, um, for her daughter, right? So... It, it, it speaks to, I think, both the humanity of Jesus to the, the fact that his 
mission right on earth was being sort of expanded even before his own eyes um right because there's uh she's of of gentile origin and at this point um he is still doing his work in the context of his jewish world um it isn't actually until after this passage that his mission expands in in the gospel of mark and so i think that's significant she kind of is a catalyst for the expansive reign of justice that is the you know this kingdom of god which is beyond any one people or religion or or you know claim that someone can have so she's kind of, she organizes jesus and i think it just speaks to the you know in terms of labor day um you know she's not standing for second class status and i think you know we can get into that more it's like you know working people today are claiming their dignity just like they have in decades past and the church needs to be aware and awaken to that fact and be present with love and solidarity. So I'll stop there for now, Jamie, but I got excited about this one. No, I love that. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think if I remember correctly, uh, Chad Myers, the way he said it in his, uh, um, you know, um, binding the strong man, he says, uh, he says that this is the point at which the preferential option for the poor is, ex is extended to the Gentiles. Uh, beyond uh, the Jewish uh, milieu, so I think that's right. Um, yeah, so I think that I think you're right on the mark there, um, and and so I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, a, well one. Let me say one thing before I jump into mm -hmm. the second part. But another thing that I like is uh, that we see in a lot of like, especially coming out of John and stuff, and but in other uh, the other uh, gospels as well, is when there's a healing, Jesus will often say, you know, your faith has made you well, right? Your your faith has healed you and stuff. But he doesn't say that here. Right. What he says is your argument. For saying that. <laughs> for, for saying what you said, your yeah. argument. Yeah. Uh, for, for the argument that you made, um, now you're gonna go find your uh, child healed. And uh, I love that, that, um, you know, it really, uh, it really is a challenge for us to, you know, to really think critically about yeah. how our societies are organized and, you know, who's on, who's, you know, the pecking order and then, you know, the injustices and then the inequities and stuff. It's really kind of a call to be, to use critical analysis, you know, um, in, in this passage. So I just wanted to point yes. that out. I really like that. I think that's I think that's key because if you think about it, so many times, you know, some of the other responses Jesus has, right? Like, say, when he uh, with the feeding of the five thousand, it says that Jesus was moved to compassion, right? Right. Here he's not moved to compassion. He's kind of she he's, moves him intellectually, and you I got would say, me. yeah, she's like, you got theologically, me. You got, yeah, theologically, right, right. like he's placed yeah. in a real conundrum. Like, oh my goodness, she's right, you know? That's right. And he yeah. so. <laughs> He's been, he's so, checkmated here, man. He's been yeah. checkmated because he is he's out proclaiming liberation, and then you know she reminds him in this moment that you can't you can't you place can't, limits on it. Yeah, you can't put limits on that. Um, well, the second part too, I think, speaks uh, to Labor Day as well. Um, and um, since we're kind of headed down this road, and we have uh, you know now Jesus is he's back, you know, on, on the move. And they bring him this uh, deaf man, right, who also is uh, mute, has an impediment in his speech. And, mm -hmm. and they want Jesus to, you know, to lay hands on this guy. And, and, they're, um, and they want him to cure him. And, and there's some interesting things happen, you know, I think maybe because of this woman, uh, this Syrophoenician woman who's just kind of broken all the rules by getting up close to Jesus and, you know, kind of um, 
you know, those were a lot of, she's breaking a lot of rules here, right? She's As cutting through everything, culture, yeah, religion, ethnicity, yeah. gender. Yeah, and so Jesus runs with it and he says, you know what? She's on to something. I'm going to break some rules too. Yeah. And so what he does is he he's in, he's encountering this guy and he and he uh, he you know who whose deafness and uh, his inability to speak is uh, being attributed some kind of moral failure or something from his ancestors or something like that. And he breaks he. He so so this is not someone he should necessarily come in contact with, but he doesn't just come in contact with this person. He spits, right? He he exchanges saliva, right, with this person, which is which is like seen as an impurity, right? Saliva was one of the bodily excrements that was seen as an impurity. And so he is just tossing out all these purity codes uh, out the window. Again probably feeling emboldened by this woman who he just encountered. And then I, and then there's this awesome scene where it, after doing that, he touches the guy's tongue with spit on his hand, right? And, and says to, he, he says in Aramaic, but first, before he says in Aramaic, he says he looks to heaven and he sighed. And it just like, that's a very curious piece there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, why is he sighing? You know, yeah. Um, and uh, and so is it because I mean, there's all kinds of uh, reasons he could you know motivate there. But I think one is is that people are not understanding what his mission is all about, what he's trying yeah. to accomplish. Where people are after cures, Jesus is really after wholeness and justice and equity. And I think this is another example because what they want is they want him to be able to hear again. But Jesus doesn't say hear again. He says be opened. Yeah. Right? And I feel like this is how this is the connecting point I think to Labor Day is that this is a call for us to be open, not just to, you know, to expand our understanding, to be, you know, of, um, to see others, right. To like, like to, like to see, let's start with this deaf man, to see this, this deaf man as the person that this, that he is. Right. So there's this, there's like, like, Jesus is caught in his times, right? He's he's a, he's a product of his time. So he sees that the wholeness that this person desires, he's not going to have unless he does hear again, unless he does speak again. But in today's time, you know, wholeness can happen by us accepting people for how they were created, the bodies they have, the you know, what we quote unquote disabilities or whatever, you right. know, that that doesn't make them less whole. Right. And so I, I think there's it's that it, that changing of perspective that Jesus is calling us to do. And if we if we then apply that to how I think in particularly in our capitalist society, how we, you know, kind of look at the working class, you know, how how I don't know there or actually I don't even oftentimes they're not even seen. You know yeah. what I mean? And so a big part of Labor Day and Labor Movement is being seen as making visible, up, making visible the, the personhood of people yes. who are working, right? Who are doing a lot of the work, the the blue collar, um, you know, uh, people in this in this country or, or who the underclass, right? Who are underemployed and stuff as well. And um, so I think a part I think there is that this call here uh, that it intersects with Labor Day and are kind of wanting to make visible is to be, how do we open ourselves up, right? Yeah. Uh, as followers of Jesus, as human beings, as a church, how do we, how do we 
you know, see things in a in a way that we have that we didn't have eyes to see before, right? Yeah. And and open ourselves up in new ways uh, to folks' humanity and and stories. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. I mean, the idea of the, of, of be opened. Um, I think that in both of these, you know, vignettes that Jesus, um, you know, is a part of, they're invitations to us, I think, about uh, interpersonal um, solidarity, right? Because it's about his interactions with these individuals. But not only that, it's about who and what these individuals represent, right? The communities and the context that they represent um, and going beyond our individual um, respective communities that maybe we claim as our own um, and knowing that liberation belongs to all and that we actually need to be in, in you know, in a project of, of community-wide liberation, of collective liberation, as, as many say. And um, in terms of Labor Day, I mean, I think it's really clear that, um, yeah, making visible those who have been invisibilized, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, because of our economy, you know, and the death-dealing circumstances that our economy places on so many people. But I think also, and so, yeah, we might think about the traditional working class, you know, and right. you know, folks who have been on the front lines but not being given credit as essential workers, you know, right. um, day, you know, day laborers, um, you know, within healthcare, not, you know, nurses and doctors obviously are the first ones seen and they, and they're essential, but what about the, the janitors in the hospitals that are making sure that the place is sanitized, the, you know, the nursing attendants, those are the, those are the low income or the lowest paid jobs within there and the lowest with the least respect. And so how do we lift up the dignity of that work? But I think it's also an invitation for those of us who aren't in those kinds of jobs to think about um, our place in this too. And that ultimately we are all co-laborers together to try to build a different way of life. Um, and, you know, both in our actual work, right? And what's the kind of economy that we need to create that is actually about human solidarity, regardless of our profession, regardless of our educational status, because even we're precarious in terms of the capitalist system to be, you know, um, we all at some point can be affected by this economy in some way. And we've seen it happen, right? Um, where folks who have identified as professionals, they've never identified as workers or that they could be cut out, have been cut out of this economy in different ways. Right. And we've right. got to stand together. Yeah. I think that's... Uh... I mean, I think you summed it up nicely right there, Francisco. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't have anything else to add to that. You're speechless um, for the first I, time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I had the reverse experience of the this guy in this story today. Now I can't speak, so. You've been opened <laughs> and then sealed shut. Well, that, that, you know, I mean, really, we joke, but that would be, you know, to have some people be open would mean for them to quiet up, right? To like stop talking for a second so you can listen to other people, right? Yeah. yeah um, so maybe that's what's happening to me. So, but, you know, I mean, I'm hoping that this is, you know, we're just sort of priming the pump in, in terms of what is possible in this scripture. Um, we're not, we don't have time to get into it here, but, you know, the, the epistle for James is perfect for preaching Labor Day because it's about, you know, faith without works is dead. And about, you know, last week it was be hearers of the word, be doers and not just hearers of the word. And so very concrete material passages about what it means to live a faithful life. And so um, 
we think there's a lot of material here, here to preach the dignity of labor and to identify ourselves, I think, as co-laborers with God, but also with each other and with, you know, working people to, to do something different. That's right. Preach it. Preach right it. On. Well, thank you, Francisco. I've enjoyed this time. Um, hope folks know that uh, they can find us. I hope you're probably seeing us on Facebook if you're watching us or Instagram. So hope you'll like and follow us. But you can also find us on any most podcast uh, platforms. So check that out as well. And please share it with your friends. Uh, we have this wonderful Francisco. I was checking out the last post and we've got some regulars that are uh, sharing some thoughts and that's, Very nice. that's so wonderful. And uh, so I hope you'll continue to do that. And uh, it's really uh, affirming to us. You know what I mean? Even when folks disagree or, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's affirming knowing that people are kind of, you know, hearing and wrestling with what we're talking about. Um, but one particular comment I really enjoyed is just someone this last time, it's just uh, in this person's particular church was, I, I didn't know if it was a, a church where they were located or the larger church, but just hearing li about liberation felt refreshing to this person. And we needed more of that. And so I feel like we're doing some good work here. So Right on. And so if you need resources on preaching for this Sunday, check, obviously we, you have this podcast. I also posted a link on our Liberation Lectionary Facebook page of resources for all of the readings um, assigned for this Sunday. They're written reflections that my colleagues and I at um, over at the Divinity School, the Wenlin Cook Program in Religion and Justice that I'm affiliated with that we wrote up. So check those out too. Where all them smart people go. Sometimes. <laughs> all right, Francisco, man. You take care. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.